Welcome to On the Brink, a fresh lens to take you and your business to new heights. Hi, I'm Andy Simon. And as you know, my job is to help you get off the brink. I want to help you see, feel, and think in new ways so that you can adopt change. And everybody hates change. Change creates pain in the brain. Change isn't something that we go to because we want to. And we often used to say, if you want to change, have a crisis or create one. I didn't expect this crisis and I would never have wanted it again. But don't waste a crisis. So today, I went looking for somebody who can help you better understand your leadership skills. I have two leadership academies and we train the leaders of tomorrow. But I must tell you that the times are changing so fast that they're not quite sure what it is they should be doing now to handle all of the reinvention that's being required. So Sumit Gupta is my guest today, and he's going to tell you about his own journey. In a snapshot, he's had his own transformation, rethinking who he is and where he's going. He spent 20 years as a coder. He spent many years as a photographer. He's invented several businesses. And now he's really starting to coach and help leaders across different industries become the best that they can be. Sumit, thank you for being with me today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Tell the listener, our audience, about who are you? What has your journey been? Because I have a hunch that the journey has transformed you. And in your storytelling, you're going to help them understand how it's brought you to where you are now. Am I right? Yes, yes, you are absolutely right. So I think, who is I think it's a huge, yeah, <laughs> that's a huge question. Yeah, I, I do not know how to answer that question very honestly because it's a story which is still evolving. Uh, and um, I, I think it's uh, too early, always too early to answer that question that who I am. But I can I can share what journey I have been so far. Um, when, I, when I started, I, th- I think I started uh, and I fell in, fell in love with computers. So I, I thought I was a I was a software engineer. I was like something of a techie, of a geek. <laughs> and that's where my rest of my life is going to be. And that's what I did for a long, long time. Uh, and then as it happens, I was pushed into management once, uh, once I got promoted a few times. Uh, and then I thought that people would operate the same way as computers do. Like if, <laughs> if uh, I, I press a button... The same thing happens every time, no matter whether I'm pressing a button in, in India or in, in Europe or wherever. Uh, and surprise, <laughs> I, I was uh, shocked and surprised that uh, why are people not behaving the way I expect them to. And that led me to a journey to discover myself and to discover human beings, I think. And with my love for computers, I had cut that part of myself. I had cut the emotional part for myself. I have cut the feeling part of myself. Uh, and I have became I have become smart, very smart analytically, uh, but very dumb from a people and relational point of view. Let me add a thought here, and then I'll let you continue. To the listener and the audience, remember that humans decide with the heart, and then the head comes in. So what someone is saying is not inconsequential, because when you stop the feeling part, and you get so analytical, there's something that's missing in how you see things and how they feel. Am I right? Yes, yes. So unfortunately, I discovered that much later, that we actually make our decisions from our emotions rather than our rational thinking brain. Uh, And it was a big uh, moment of uh, aha or insight for me. Oh, that, that was what is really happening. And that allowed me to look into a black hole of skills, which I had no idea. 
but I'm glad for that tough learning because it allowed me on a path. I think just like with computers, uh, I have a tremendous curiosity of understanding different things. And that led me down to a, to a path of uh, going deeper into neuroscience, into psychology, into understanding why people behave the way they do. And, uh, and then I slowly started to see myself as very different. And then I started to explore, if I can do this, then what can what else can I do? <laughs> and that led me to, to the couple of companies which I started. I started and ran an NGO for a while. I became a photographer, started from absolute scratch from there. So, and I'm continuously on this path to see if I can do that, then what else can I do? What I love about your story is that you raise something very important that you are, you know, we hear about Carol Dweck in a growth mindset, but but exploring means that we don't have the answers when we start, but we see something where we can add value innovatively somehow. We can open somebody's eyes to see in a different fashion, and it doesn't scare you. It sounds like it inspires you. It it, it scares me. So <laughs> it, it does uh, scare me. Yes, I. Uh, I, th- I think um, I stopped myself for a long time because I said that I did not have courage and I had a lot of fear. And now that I am moving ahead with what I wanted to do, I see that the fear is still there. It's just not stopping me. Uh, so it, it does uh, take courage. And I think that was a big revelation for me uh, that fear does not stop us. In fact, yeah. or, or in fact, any emotion does not stop us. What stops is that we block that or we stop ourselves from expressing or feeling that emotion and that really makes us difficult to move forward. Uh, Well, I bet there are many folks who are deep into computers like you were who would love to know what have you discovered and how are you helping people now? Because you've gone through a major life transformation, have you not? Yes, I I think one of the biggest discoveries is that as human beings, we are very malleable Mm -hmm. uh, and what stops us is, uh, is most often a lie. Yes. And I've seen people being stopped uh, by multiple things. So I, I shared my example of fear, uh, but I, I have I see, I, and, I, and I hear this from almost everybody I talk to. Like they have a dream, they know they they have deep, they have more deep inside them, yet they have a reason. They have a reason either they do not have the resources, or they do not feel they are ready, or they have a huge imposter syndrome which stops them. Or they think that they need somebody else's permission to move forward. And all of these are lies. So that's what I'm discovering. Now, you have framed this around the lives that, the lies that we believe to be truth. And I, my, my only counsel to the listener or the audience is that the only truth is there's no truth. And consequently, when you create a story in your mind, it creates an illusion. That story becomes your illusion of your reality. And once you have that story, you only see the things that conform to it. So to someone's point, you only can see what's there, but it's not really only that's there. It's all around you. So now the opportunity is those lies that are there need to be shed. And how do we do that? So I bet you have a process to help us with this. Thank you. Yeah, and you are absolutely right. I think we live in a world of narrative. uh, And when we put labels on things or events, Uh, We basically disassociate ourselves from the labels. And there is a reason we do that. Our brain does that for us to stay safe, for us to stay comfortable. And and for most of uh, human history, this is how we survive. This is how we have evolved. So it's very ingrained in us to see something happening and then make a narrative around that. 
and then have that narrative safe be a safeguard for us and to your question right how do we how do we like distinguish what is real what is not is to just ask ourselves what are the facts here like what really happened yes and and uh, I, i think I, i i heard this somewhere like what is truly knowable is what i am experiencing in my body right now mm-hmm. what i am feeling right now everything else is a narrative so if if i if i if i see you as andy then i miss the person that you are i miss like yes. the like the whole experience uh, but if we have a friendship and i know you as a yes. good friend or a reliable friend or a insincere friend then i put those labels and then if i forget to experience you in this moment uh, and then the same for ourselves if i if i yeah. saw myself as an introvert for a long time and that label introvert stuck and i lost myself Uh, so that's an example of uh, like yep. how we can separate out the labels and who we really are well some of us we always talk about in human history at some point some say 45000 years ago some say 500000 years ago we had this quantum leap in our brain where we became meaning makers we created stories and we gave meaning to things that were just a rock or a cross or a tree and we even created something imagined and that gave us the secret to our success but it also limited our ability to succeed mm-hmm. and there are lots of great stories about it so now that you're working as a coach and a consultant to industry what have you learned and what are you teaching them yeah i think one of my biggest learnings from uh, talking to multiple high performers is uh, exactly what you said right the narratives and the meaning making can be very powerful mm-hmm. if we let them be a decision which we make from our conscious mind rather than something which drives us from our unconscious mind mm-hmm. right and and i think einstein also said that that the mind is a wonderful <laughs> servant but when it becomes a master then it becomes a problem so one right. <laughs> thing which, which which i am realizing while working with high performers is that every strength or everything every trait which you consider a strength which has brought you where you are today becomes a weakness at some point of time and it has to do with uh, that narrative uh, and, and to give you an example uh, for me myself personally uh, being an introvert allowed me to go deeper into all kind of engineering and analytical topics and it still is a strength for me but it it became when i became a leader the same mindset became a weakness or became a barrier uh, which i had to overcome not by doing more of the analytical but by actually taking a step back and seeing myself differently and i see this with uh, with the very different kinds of people who are people person and then at a particular point of time they need uh, research or they need to uh, flex their muscles uh, analytical muscles and just exactly like my opposite uh, the the story which they have stops them from moving forward and it can be threatening to see yourself as not what you have believed yourself to be for yes. so long and are you have an approach though that begins to help them i have a hunch it has part self reflection and then part transformation you want to share the with the listeners what that approach is i think they'd be fascinated by it yeah i think um, uh, so the lies which uh, which you just mentioned and that we spoke briefly about i call them invisible lies so they are not only lies but they are invisible to us so it's it's like i'm wearing green glasses and then i see the world as green Mm. right and, and then i blame the world like why why are you green so the first step is to realize that you are wearing the green glasses right because <laughs> unless you see the glasses you cannot remove them 
Right? So the first step is building that awareness to see, okay, this is not the world. This is how I am looking at the world. So once you see the glasses, then you have that choice. And that's, that's where the power of leadership comes in. You do not have to get rid of the green glasses if they are working for you. Mm-hmm. If that allows you to see the world more clearly, because we all wear glasses to clarify our vision, but why would we wear glasses to blur our vision? Yes. So the first step is always awareness to see that you are distorting the view through a story, through a narrative or through an emotion, and then to choose to do something about it. <laughs> so that's the first step. Uh, the second step is is to not go into judgment or blame, uh, either for the world or for somebody else or for yourself for wearing those glasses. Right? If, you, if we continue to use that metaphor, uh, like why was I wearing these glasses for so long? <laughs> or or who, is, who is the other person to, to show me the world as this way? Uh, to really acknowledge that this is what it is. Right? That's it. I have green glasses. Right? Blaming the glasses or blaming the person who put on the glasses doesn't make any sense. Uh, and to just remove it as a, as a matter of fact, without a matter of struggling or fighting against it. Uh, and once you remove it, you suddenly see something else. Right? Yes. And that opens up your horizons. And that's the next step to basically step into that space of unknowingness, which can be scary, but that's also an invitation for your leadership. Mm-hmm. It's an invitation to step up in the responsibility game. Uh, and um, you know, the way I, I see responsibility is simply your ability to respond. That's it. Without going into like the usual uh, usage of the word responsibility, which includes blame and pointing fingers. Uh, For me, responsibility is simply choosing and acknowledging that you have the ability to respond always. And once you start them going on this, do your clients um, pause, step back, take off those glasses and begin to see life through a fresh lens. And most of the time, learning is experiential. Do you take them out to actually see things? Because my own experience as an anthropologist is I often will take my clients out with me to their clients and we'll go inside to begin to understand what's happening. And then we'll leave and we'll write down all the things that we observed. You would have thought that we were in two different places. Their observations fit into their box my observations was looking outside the box. Mm -hmm. And I would tell them, I'm looking for the gaps and you're looking to push them into what you know. So how are we going to begin to build a new approach to build more clients of the kinds that you really want or to get these clients to become the ones you run? So it's a real interesting mind that we're working with. So how do your clients begin to take off the glasses and see things through a fresh lens? I think the first step is to acknowledge that it can be scary and then to get into a mood of curiosity, uh-huh. right? to may, not make it too heavy, but to, but to play around with it. So it's very similar to learning to bike. Yes. You learn to bike, if you, if you make it heavy every time you fall, you will never be able to learn to bike. Right? So understanding that leadership is, is like that. Leadership is not something which you can read a book. Yes. So you can know, know about leadership by reading a book, but you cannot know leadership, just like riding a bike. So you have to get, get on. You have to try try new things. You have to fail, and you have to get back on the bike. Uh, and for everybody, this journey is different. Yes. <laughs> uh, and, it, and I think as as a coach, it's also very important for me to not put them into boxes or not not impose my own views of what leadership is or what your journey will look like. 
because something was easy for me doesn't mean that it will be easy for something else. Uh, and something was challenging for me doesn't mean the same thing will be challenging for another leader. Uh, to have that openness to see people struggle and sometimes to see people really flourish. Yes. Uh, and to be in a neutral space with, with both the places and to acknowledge and support people where they are, not where they should be, yeah. is uh, is one of my biggest learnings. I think, I think I'm still learning that. As a coach, uh, to how to be how to be comfortable with uh, different people learning at their own pace. And now a word from our sponsors, Simon Associates Management Consultants. That's us, and we're here to help you see, feel, and think in new ways. Whether you are an organization that's stuck or stalled, or an individual in that organization who's looking to rethink their own life's journey, Simon Associates has designed programs and processes to help you do just that. Our first book, On the Brink, A Fresh Lens to Take Your Business to New Heights, told the stories of seven clients who were stuck or stalled, and a little anthropology helped them see things through a fresh lens, reignite their growth, and soar again. My new book that came out in January 2021 is called Rethink, Smashing the Myths of Women in Business. It's all about how 11 women, including myself, were able to see past the hurdles, the glass ceilings, and the brick walls and become the best that they could be. They heard things like women aren't lawyers and women can't lead and women aren't in geosciences. And they said, of course we are. And they really pushed through and did it with such ease that they want other women to see what's possible. At the end of the book, I provide a bit of a how-to process for you. If you're on the brink of rethinking your own life's journey, it's time to pause, step back, and ask yourself, Where am I going? What's my passion and my purpose? And am I there or can I get there? Send us your emails to info at andysimon.com and we'll get right back to you to see how we can help. On andysimon.com are some free chapters for both books. And you can also join our newsletter and our Facebook group, Rethink with Andy Simon. We are bringing together women to help other women do what they can't do by themselves, very often to see what's possible and become the best that they can be. Come join us. And now back to our podcast. You know, we are humans too. And coaches suffer sometimes from forgetting that um, because we're frail and we have our own perspectives. And every time I coach someone, I say, well, I'll tell you what I see, but that may not be what you see. So tell me what you see. And we try to really bridge the gap. Are there some illustrative cases that you can share that don't break the anonymity of the individuals, but can illustrate the problem that was there, how the process worked and what they came up with? Absolutely. So I remember one person uh, very, very, like, uh, like very distinctively, whom when I started to talk, I, I felt that they were not interested in what they were doing. And there was a point in a conversation where, where they said that, uh, that I am really passionate about food and serving people. And like my dream is to open up a restaurant. <laughs> I bet and, you and will this, someday. <laughs> yes, yes. And, and the someday conversation came up very soon because they said that this was their retirement plan. Uh-huh. And, and they were not even close to retirement, right? And the, and the, and the, and, the, and, the, and, uh, and I asked them like, why, why retirement? If you are so passionate about that, then why wait till retirement? And their their response was because this is my retirement plan. Okay, <laughs> so it took it took me a long time for them to really see that the way they are putting this off for like for at a particular age or at a particular time in the future doesn't have to be that way. 
Uh-huh. Right, and and it 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 was not even their own narrative. It's I think it was a nar- narrative of the culture that person was living in, that your dreams or that your your really satisfaction only comes after you have like done all the other things expected yes. of you, like buying a house, um, putting yep. your kids through a particular school, uh, earning a particular amount of money, and it was a huge breakthrough for the person to see. That this can be this can be possible right now, or this can be possible in the in the near future. Uh, and this was a huge breakthrough. So this is one example of uh, what I can share, and this is very meaningful for me because I have stopped myself from from doing things because I th- I thought I was not ready, or I was I thought I was not that person. Uh, so that's but very meaningful. Does, it, that, it does is, that make sense? No, it does. But I I think that what we're learning is that life used to be, you know, you grow up, um, and then you have about forty years working. And then you have this thing called retirement. And I don't think we've planned for another 25 years of retirement. Most people who are 60 in decent health mm-hmm. will end up in their 80s. And my father went to 100. So you do need another something. And you also need to take a look at work. What's your purpose at work? What gives you pleasure? Because why waste those years? You know, is work bad? Only if you think it's bad, now how do you turn it into something that gives you a sense of, of uh, becoming something where you're learning? We know that intrinsic motivation is far more powerful than extrinsic one. You can pay someone to get a job done, but if you let them have the autonomy to do that job, they could absolutely soar and teach you a lot of stuff. So um, I have a hunch as you go with clients, you're beginning to see them not only being transformed, but also understanding that process of transformation. Am I right? Yes, you are right. And I think if I if I compare to what leadership is evolving towards and what it was or it used to be 50 years ago, I think we have lived in a culture, we have shut off huge parts of ourselves. Yes. Uh, and we have uh, made, made it difficult or wrong for us to feel emotional or to really feel what, what is trying to come up. Yep. Uh, and to be and to be okay with expressing that and and we have grown up in stereotypes like real men don't cry yes or or, or women don't shout or get angry and that has turned us off or t- turned a certain part of ourselves off and that has not allowed us to really ask ourselves that question of purpose or or what what is it that lightens up lightens up up or what is it that makes us truly alive and i think where we are going towards the leadership and i think i i use the computer metaphor here uh, that uh, if you are operating something at a low bandwidth, you will not get both audio and video. So your your uh, output will be limited. Similarly, if as a human being, as a leader, you turn off your emotional side, your output will be limited. You are you are just operating in a in a very limited bandwidth or yes. or like what you can really do, and and to actually acknowledge who you are in on an emotional level allows you to actually become better leader, actually become uh, a better person as well. Um, Summit, I teach a course, this Leadership Academy. It's a full year program. And a part of it is I get them to focus on um, followers. A leader can't succeed without good people around them. And how does that dynamic work? Are you a command and control leader? Or are you a very entrepreneurial, empowering, collaborative leader? Or are you a competitive leader? I had some commodities traders. They were very competitive. They made a lot of money Mm -hmm. and they couldn't talk to each other. What is it that you share with them in terms of the way in which their relationship to those who work with them should evolve? Because I do think there's an evolution to it. 
Yes, yes. I, I think there are many definitions of leadership. Uh, but for me, I think uh, a very simple definition is regardless of title or regardless of position is that uh, taking action which takes you forward towards where you want to be rather than taking you backward because of whatever reason. So that's a very simple definition that allows anybody to be a leader at any given moment and also make leadership a moment by moment act rather than uh, like a like a like a long term shadow like yeah. I'm a good leader or a bad leader to say that in this moment can I be a leader? Right? I like what that. is that step? Yes. Yeah. Because so many of our clients found people rising to the occasion during the pandemic. You know, adopting remote work, mm-hmm. determining how to have video, video meetings, and others who they thought were their leaders disintegrated. So you're absolutely right. There are times when they lead well, when it's stable, and other times where you need agile and fragile people who can really create. How interesting, an interesting model. Yes. And and I think also what you mentioned during the introduction that every crisis is an opportunity and never waste a good crisis. And what the pandemic is revealing, it's not something new. It is just revealing that uh, there is a lack of predictability or there is a lack of control. Uh, it's it's not something new. It's it's just revealing what has already been there, <laughs> and that allows for a new kind of leadership to evolve. A new kind of leadership which doesn't have to be in control yes. to feel confident. A new kind of leadership which is more than just strategy or goal setting, and which allows you to like widen your your That's arms right. like this, like, and take people along rather than just move in a very focused, very very clear headed direction. And, yes. and it's it's a mix of both of uh, the strategic analytical thinking uh, and, and the empathetic and relational side of uh, leadership, which we have suppressed for so long. I, I do think, though, when I teach that, um, if you Google followership, maybe there are a million things that come up. If you Google mm-hmm. leadership, there are five million things that come up. And we've invested so heavily in the leadership part. I'm not sure we've really invested in the way in which people need to work together to get things done, Mm -hmm. the collaboration part, um, the teamwork, and the way in which a person, call it a leader, can enable that group of people to really thrive. I love some of the MIT research where they bring people together around a problem. They have 24 hours to solve it. And which ones really get together and solve it and which ones can't figure out how to solve it. And some have no leader at all and others a leader arises. It's a a very interesting time for loose experimentation. Mm -hmm. Uh, Are you finding similar things? Yes, I think exactly to what you shared. I think when it comes to teams, when it comes to large organizations, what matters is the future that you are headed towards with your team, not alone. Yes. Right? And to, to create that future together, to create, have those conversations which create that sugar, that future rather than saying that I am the leader, so this is where we are headed. To create that future together and then to take people along with them in a way that takes care of what is important to them. Right. So if, if my team cares about something and I care about something else, either I, I make sure that I align or I discuss or I am, I should be ready to face the consequences, which could be bad results or which could be a bad culture in the in the organization. Yes, we know. Uh, but it's, uh, but, but uh, I, I think uh, uh, to your point of followership, I think people follow you when you start to take care of what they care about. Yes. Right. So I think it's very much more inclusive. I think the style which we're moving towards and people also want to see that people's expectation from a leader has certainly risen or changed yes. from the last 50 years. 
Uh, and people want to see a leader who not only takes them to business results, but also to add meaning and value to what they're doing on a day-to-day basis because like, people spend most of their days at work. So yeah. it has to be meaningful. Yeah. Well, it goes back to your analogy about being into the computer to the extent that you were, where you stopped feeling. And you just said something very powerful that I'd like to emphasize for our listeners, that that good leaders have empathy. What is empathy? They are empathetic to their folks. They understand what matters to them. You can put the word empathy on it, uh, but I think that there is a, a kindness and a caring that a good leader exhibits so that the people who are there know that they matter, not because like a computer, they get something done, but because as a person, you matter to someone and belonging is extraordinarily important to humans. We do things for other people because it matters to each other. And so to your point, these are interesting times because you don't see people in the office the way you used to. Somehow we have to show that we care about each other and we have to do it in a way that matters their style. So I think that the transformation that's coming it's just going to be marvelous showing people how many ways leaders can rise to the occasion for the occasion and then change that again and be very um, context specific for the role they're going to play. And that opens our mind to learning a lot of stuff. So, Summit, we're just about reaching the end of our conversation, mm-hmm. although you and I could talk for a long time. Are there two or three things that you want the audience to remember in particular? I think... Uh... Uh, just to add on to your point about empathy, and I think this is very important uh, because uh, we can we can intellectualize everything. So we can talk about yes, emotions in true. an intellectual way. Yes. But empathy and emotional intelligence is something to be experienced or felt, rather than to be taught taught thinking about rationally. Yes. Or analytically, and real empathy is when you are sitting with a person and you are experiencing how they see the world from your body, from your physical presence. Yes. Can you can you notice your body doing something different? And that's where the real empathy is. Like there is a connection between two people. Yep. Well, and this happens all the time when we are in very strong relationships. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, that's really when the storytelling from one to another changes the mind in each of us. And that's what stories do. And the narrative is very painful, uh, very powerful. But there, there's something you said that I don't want to lose. And that is uh, empathy um, has become an abstraction, but it really is experiential. <laughs> and it's yes. very key. I'm glad they've created a whole industry around empathetic behavior. But at the end of the day, good people know how to hear each other and and listen for a while. I hope I've listened to you because I've enjoyed the conversation. Um, yes, yes. Somebody, if they'd like to reach you for some coaching or consulting work, what's the best place? So I have a website which is called deployyourself.com and I'm also very active on LinkedIn so people can reach me there. Uh, and uh, I'm very passionate about that. Too. So if somebody wants to talk about anything which we have touched upon today, I'm more than happy to interact and reply to people. I think that's terrific. Thank you, LinkedIn. You have opened up the market space where we can all find each other in all kinds of cool ways and do it with great elegance and and uh, and comfort. So I, too, find LinkedIn. You can find me on LinkedIn, too. Okay, cool. <clears throat> this has been lovely. Any last thoughts, my dear? Shall I wrap us up? 
No, I, I think we have touched upon, and as you said, right, we can talk about this forever. Uh, but uh, I'm glad to be to be here and to have this conversation with you. And I am as well. I also know, though, that change is painful. So as both of us are talking, don't think this is easy because your brain hates us. The amygdala would like to hijack us or, you know, fight us or flee us or appease us. It, to some its point, it has kept us alive for centuries Many, many hundreds of thousands of years is how humans have evolved because we have these stories and narratives that help us see things through a particular lens. But until you have to change that lens, it's fine. So for those of you who come all the time, I thank you very much. Um, we've been ranked in the top 5% of global podcasts. That's truly an honor. Um, On the Brink with Andy Simon is here to help you see, feel, and think in new ways. Most of my books are available everywhere where books are sold. On the Brink, Fresh Lens to Take Your Business to New Heights and Rethink Smashing the Myths of Women in Business is exactly a year old, and it's fun to celebrate. But I will tell you that our job is to help you change. And there are all kinds of ways that we can do that, including bringing some Summit Gupta here to share with you his ideas and our own. And so if we can be of help, don't be bashful. Come find us. Info at andysimon.com gets right to us. And you know, you can find us on all our, our websites. It's a pleasure to be here. And then there's LinkedIn, which I love. Please have a great day. Take care. Stay safe. Stay warm. Bye-bye now. <laughs>